All right, well, we are continuing our series on the book of Psalms that we started last week. And if you were with us last week, uh, Pastor Brandon uh, talked about how the Psalms are a collection of songs that were written and put together over the span of hundreds of years. Right? They were songs that were meant to be sung together by the people of God coming together in community. And thus, because they were songs that were meant to be sung, right, each psalm, or the purpose of each psalm, isn't to strictly inform us of how one person, the author, interacted with God. But each psalm is inviting us to have the same kind of interaction with God, to share the thoughts and the emotions of the, the psalmist, to think what the author was thinking, to feel what the author was feeling. And what makes the psalm so special, so profound, is the vast range of options in terms of what we're not only allowed to feel, but what we're encouraged, what we're challenged and, and taught to feel towards God because of who we are or who he is and who we are to him. So when life is really, really good, right? In those moments of life where God clearly comes through and delivers in a big way, uh, maybe you get that promotion. Maybe you, you find the one. You give birth to a child. You go on that bucket list vacation. You get that lavish gift. There are psalms for those seasons. Psalms of celebration, psalms of adoration and praise and worship and gratitude. And then there are other seasons in life where life is, is really hard. Perhaps you, you lose a loved one. There's sickness and disease, relational conflict and turmoil. There's pain and suffering. And for whatever reason, it doesn't seem like God is doing anything. There are psalms for those seasons too. Psalms of, of lament, psalms that express grief and sorrow and anguish. There are imprecatory psalms that cry out to God, begging and pleading for wrath, vengeance, punishment. Right? So there are seasons in life where life is really, really good, and there are psalms for those. And there are seasons in life where life is really hard, and there are psalms for those. But for most of us, there is a lot of life that happens in between those seasons. When life isn't necessarily really good, it's not great, it's not really bad, it's just... It's just okay. It's just, it's good in the sense that it's not bad, right? We can think of ways that life could be better. We can think of ways that life could be worse, but it's just perhaps mundane, routine, maybe even, maybe even boring. Uh, whenever I go mountain biking, there are certain expectations that I have in terms of what I will experience when I'm riding my bike. So when I'm on my bike and I'm riding uphill, trying to get to the top, after about 10 seconds, I expect myself to begin to feel tired. I expect my legs to begin burning. I expect my being short of breath, having a hard time breathing, being exhausted. I expect to begin thinking thoughts like, why do I mountain bike? Maybe it's time for another hobby. I don't know why I keep coming back and doing the same old thing. 
out of all the trails that we could have come to, why did Brandon have to pick this one? Like, but that's what I expect to feel when I'm mountain biking and going uphill. That's an expectation. And then as soon as we get to the top and we, you know, kind of get ready, check all our gear, or we're getting ready to go downhill, and we start the descent, I expect pure exhilaration. Like a 10-year-old boy going on a roller coaster for the very first time, just joy and thrill. There are moments when I begin thinking to myself, like, oh gosh, I'm going to crash, I'm going to crash, I'm going to crash. And then it's like, thank God I didn't crash. And then after we make it down, it's like, this is the best hobby ever. I love mountain biking. I love Brandon for picking this trail. There are certain expectations that I have when I'm riding a bike. What I expect to feel going uphill, what I expect to feel going downhill. But there's also times where we're neither going uphill or going downhill, but we're just traversing on flat surface trying to get to point A to point B. And in those moments, I don't expect myself to be tired and out of breath. I mean, if I was, I'd be in trouble. I don't expect myself to be like, woo-hoo! I mean, nobody would ever ride with me again. Somewhere in the middle, just cruising, chatting, chit-chatting. In the same way when it comes to life, right? When life isn't really good, really great, when it's not really hard, what are we supposed to feel. And there are psalms for those seasons, too. And a big chunk of of these psalms are what's known as wisdom psalms, or psalms of wisdom. There are psalms that simply show us how to experience life, how to have a healthy perspective of life in light of who God is in light of what he's done and what he's like and what he's capable of doing. There are psalms that lead us into a healthy relationship with God in light of what he's done and in light of who we are to him. So this morning we're going to look at one of those psalms, Psalm chapter 145. And this was a psalm written by King David. And it was a time in his life where he was ruling as king where things were just okay. There wasn't any big victories that were happening, anything to celebrate. There wasn't any struggles or hardships going on. It was just an average mundane life within the kingdom. And we see this psalm. So Psalm 145, we're going to read all of it. You can look up on the screen or turn with us if you have your Bibles. It's towards the very end of the book of Psalms. So the psalm of praise of David. I will exalt you, my Lord, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. 
Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. And so what we see is that when life is just okay, when it's neither great or, or terrible, when life can seem routine and mundane, uneventful, even perhaps boring, we are invited into praise and worship. We are invited to, to live a life filled with, with faith and with passion. We are invited to be mindful, fully aware, cognizant, constantly of just how great our God is. There is a, a medical term, or term in, in health and medicine, called our resting heart rate. Now, I'm not a doctor, but I read this on the internet, so it makes me an expert. I'm just kidding. Some called our resting heart rate. And what our resting heart rate is, is the, the number of times that our heart beats when our body is in a, a restful, relaxed state, when it's not put under any strain or stress, whether physically, emotionally, mentally. And for an, an average adult, a healthy range is somewhere between 60 to 100 beats per minute when your body is in a, in a resting state. Anything significantly higher or significantly lower could be a problem, right? Either our heart's having to work too much or it's not working hard enough. But for an average adult who is resting, relaxing, comfortable, 60 to 100 beats a minute is what a healthy heart looks like. And what this psalm is showing us is that when life is just okay, when we're for the most part, comfortable, this is what a healthy heart spiritually looks like. A heart that feels compelled to praise and worship. A heart that is overflowing with faith and with passion. A, a mind that is fully aware and cognizant of just how great and awesome God is. This is what a heart looks like. Now, I'm not a songwriter. In fact, I don't have any musical talent. I don't even say zero musical talent. It's like negative musical talent. So I'm, I'm guessing here, okay? This is an educated guess, and all you musicians can correct me. But my guess is that this song wasn't written in a way to be sung like, I will exalt you, my Lord, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever, every day. More than likely, it was meant to be sung, and don't worry, I'm not going to sing, right? But more than likely, it was meant to be sung, I will exalt you, my Lord the King. I will praise your name forever and ever, every day. I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. 
And the reason I highlight this is to, to show us how difficult and challenging this can be for a lot of us. I don't know what your day-to-day -day routine looks like, but for me, my typical day, is I, I try to get up somewhat early around 6, which is early for me, have a little bit of me time, quiet time, before the kids and, and Amber and the family begin to wake up. And, and right from there, it's, you know, it's Amber and I tag teaming, getting the kids breakfast, packing their lunches, filling up their water bottles. Someone's always looking for a shirt, pair of socks, scrambling around, finally getting out the door. I got about a 30 minute drive from our house to the school. Sometimes there's traffic, sometimes there's not. So I'm doing my best trying to be an F1 driver, weaving in and out of traffic with my 2014 Toyota Sienna minivan. Right, finally, I, you know, we get the kids to school, I get the kids to school, come back to, to the office here, have a few hours, maybe have some meetings, studying, planning, sermon prepping. Afternoon comes and it's back to the school, picking up the kids, coming back home, maybe playing outside for a little bit, shooting some hoops, trying to help them with volleyball, even though I don't know anything about volleyball. Then it's getting dinner ready, right? eating dinner, cleaning, maybe taking one to practice, coming out for a, a night evening event meeting, getting back home, maybe squeezing in a little workout, a little bit of TV time, then it's back into bed and, and ready to do it all over again. Right? And throughout the, the busyness of, of that time, even though I work at a church, right, it's hard to maintain this posture. Of, I will exalt you, my Lord, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever, right? But I don't know if I can say that's what I experience the majority of my day. My normal, average, mundane, everyday life. Yet this is what David, the psalmist, the Psalms, are inviting us to experience. This is a picture of what could be and should be experienced in the kingdom of God. Now, if you remember previously going through the, the book of Mark, on Jesus' last night with his uh, disciples, before he would be arrested, beaten, crucified, he would share one last meal together, then they would go out to the Garden of Gethsemane. And there Jesus would go off to pray, three separate occasions, and he would invite his disciples to, to stay up, to be alert, and to pray. And what he would say to them is recorded in Matthew 26, 41. He'd say, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In other words, what he's telling the disciples is your heart desires, your spirit desires to do what is right, but the flesh will resist. The flesh will make it difficult. And what he's implying is that there are some things we can do to help our spirit, to help our heart, our soul overcome the flesh. And in this case, for the disciples, it was to, to pray to be alert, to ask the Father for strength and courage and boldness, to not be overcome by fear. Well, in the same way, I believe that all of us, the fact that we're here, 
Right? We want a heart that cries out with praise and worship. We want to be filled with faith and with passion. We want to be mindful 24-7 of just how great God is. But our flesh makes it hard. Our flesh makes it difficult. So what we see in this psalm is that there are two things we can do to help the spirit, to help our heart overcome the flesh. If we look back at verses 4 to 6, we see two things that we can do. The psalmist David tells us. He says, one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And here's the first one. He says, I will meditate on your wonderful works. Secondly, they tell of the power of your awesome works. And here's the second one. And I will proclaim your great deeds. I will meditate on your wonderful works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. So the idea of meditating, just simply choosing to think about all of the great things that God has done, to daydream about, to dwell upon all that God has done, to think about who he is and what he's like. And the, the two big things that obviously come to mind that is inferred to in this psalm is to think about God's act of creation and to think about his work of, of salvation. Right? That when it comes to creation, uh, there's psalms uh, throughout the, the, the Psalter, such as Psalm 33, verse 6 to 9, where David writes, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Psalms that encourage us to just think about creation, what God has done, all that he has made, all that he has created. Throughout the Psalms, there's also references to God's work of, of salvation and saving and rescuing his people. In our psalm this morning, verses 17 and 19, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. So what we're told, what we're led to in the psalms, is that when it comes to creation, when we consider all that God has made, when we consider its sheer splendor and magnitude, its complexity, its, its beauty, creativity, diversity, when we just consider the, the utter incomprehensibility of it all, the psalmist tells us that it all points to who God is, to what he's like, to what he's capable of doing. When we think of God's work of salvation, right, for, for the, the nation of Israel, right, it would have been God's calling of Abraham, the gift of Isaac, the choosing of Jacob, sending Joseph into Egypt, rescuing his people out of Egypt, Moses, the law, the promised land, kingdom of David. For us as believers, you add on Jesus, right? the cross, the resurrection, the Holy Spirit, the church. The psalmist tells us that it all highlights the power of God and the heart of God. And what the Psalms wants us to see, what David wants us to connect, is that when we consider all that God has done, when we look at his works, when we consider creation and salvation, it all communicates one 
clear message that God loves and cares for each and every one of us. That all of creation, Jesus on the cross, it all demonstrates God's love and care for us. It highlights, is just in our psalm this morning, it highlights God's goodness and his righteousness, his grace and compassion, his power and splendor, his trustworthiness and, and faithfulness. All of God's works demonstrates this to us. So think about it. Daydream about it. Dwell upon it. Meditate on it. And for a lot of us, that's going to require some intentionality. A lot of us, are, our schedules are jam-packed. Seems like there's a million things to do, a million things to think about constantly, 24-7. My daughter Katie, who's 12, she just recently started to, every night before she goes to bed, she sits down with her little whiteboard, and she's begun to write out her schedule for the next day, to the minute. You know, wake up, eat breakfast, go to school, come home, Instagram time, rest, basketball, workout, homework. Because even at this young age, she's begun to recognize right, that it's one thing to want to do a lot of things, it's another thing to be able to actually do it. That there is a level of intentionality, a level of planning that, that needs to be done. And, and this isn't new for, for any of us. And most of us, we plan out whether our day, right, some of us plan out our meals, like what time we can eat and what time we can eat. We plan out our activities, our vacations, we plan out transportation, like which parent is taking which kid where and when. Plan out our finances, how we're going to spend our money. Well, it would make sense that we would also need to plan out when and how and where we're going to carve out time to meditate upon all that God has done, to just think about him, to think about what he's done, what he's like, what he's capable of doing. For some of us, that might mean carving out time to just be out in nature, to be out in creation, to just be reminded that all of this, all you see is a gift to us because God loves us and cares about us. Maybe it's carving out time to spend time in scripture, just reading and reminding yourself of what God has done to save us and redeem us. Maybe it's being intentional of just listening to, to praise music, worship songs, listening to podcasts or sermons. For the past couple of months, I was watching a show, a mini-series called Chosen. And if you haven't heard of it, I'd encourage you to, to check it out. It's a, a mini-series based on the ministry of Jesus. Season one came out in 2019. The second season just came out uh, last year. And it's, you know, it's not God's word. You know, the Jesus on screen isn't the real Jesus. It's a fictional you know, remaking of the ministry of Jesus that's based on scripture. But those 30 to 40 minutes that I would sit there each day and watch the show, I would be moved. Sometimes to the, to the verge of tears. I would feel a sense of gratitude, a sense of wanting to praise and worship. And the main reason is simply because for those 30 to 40 minutes, it forced me to think about Jesus. 
to think about what he did and what he's like and what that means for my life. Just a couple of weeks ago, I remember I was just in bed, you know, reading, just getting ready to go to sleep. And you know, usually my, my pattern is I start reading after like three minutes, I'm like ready to go to sleep. So I, I lied down and turned off the light, my head hit the pillow. And I was about to fall asleep, and this thought entered my mind. It's such a gift to be able to fall asleep. Right? It's such a gift to be able to fall asleep so, so easily. And I began to think, right? I mean, it's a gift because, for one, I, I don't have to worry about bombs coming through the roof, like many people in, in our world do today. I don't have to worry about whether there's going to be enough to eat the next day there's water to drink, if there's going to be food in my fridge, if there's going to be money in the bank. I don't have to worry about whether I have a job. I don't have to worry about how my kids will be. I mean, little by little, just reminding myself of, of all the things that I am able to surrender to God. My kids' future, Amber's career, my career, our livelihood. I don't have to worry about things because of the God that we have. And I was so stirred with gratitude that I was praising and worshiping as I'm just lying in bed. But here's the thing, right? Nothing in those 30 seconds changed in terms of my circumstances. I didn't even move my position in bed. I, see, I remained the same. Nothing changed. The only thing that changed was what I was thinking about. I was remindful, reminded of just who God is and what he's capable of doing. So one way that we can both attain and maintain a posture of praise and worship, one way that we can be filled with faith and with passion is to be intentional in thinking about and meditating on all of God's works. Secondly, as we, we wrap this up, we proclaim God's works. Right, as, as David said in his Psalms, the reason he knows he's aware of all of God's work is because somebody proclaimed to him. So he meditates on it, and he also proclaims it to others. That as the people of God, we proclaim all of God's works, all that he's done to, to those around us. Right, and obviously this entails things like evangelism, things like missions, right? Sharing the gospel, the good news, the, the message of God's love in Jesus to people who've never heard but also entails just sharing with one another how God is working in our lives, how God has blessed us, how God has demonstrated his goodness and his faithfulness, and in sharing that with those around us. Just this past week in our staff meeting, one of the questions we just kind of went around and shared was, how do you see God working in your life? Or how have you seen God working in your life recently? And as each person just went around and shared something small of how they've seen God working, it encouraged all of us. You see, when we tell others how God has worked in our life, one, it helps us because we have to think about it first, and two, it helps them just see a little more of how God is moving, of how God is working. And I know that can be challenging for a lot of us at times. Right? A lot of times it's kind of, hard to, to, to share with others something personal, deep, something we don't want to burden someone, we don't want to seem like we're bragging or boasting, might seem boring at times, 
Or other times we're, we're in a group, and even if it's among Christians and we're talking about sports or we're talking about our kids and our activities and our friends and our families and vacation and TV shows we're watching, it's hard to kind of make that transition, right, to be that person like, oh, that's really cool, I like that show too. So how have you seen God working in your life recently, right? Sometimes it's, it's hard to, to do that. But you see, if we don't proclaim what God is doing in our life, if we don't share it with others, we prevent others. We hinder their ability to see more of what God is doing. But the more we're willing to share, the more I can know about what God is doing in your life, in your life, in your life, in your life. Now I have a bigger picture, a broader understanding of how God is working. It leads me to gratitude. It leads me to praise and worship. You know, one way that we proclaim God's works to one another is through corporate worship. Right? That when we come together as a church and we're singing with praise and with worship, we're not just singing directly to God and having our own individual concerts with him, but we're also proclaiming his works and his character and his attributes and his righteousness to one another. Right? Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 to 20. He's talking about do not be drunk with wine. And he says in verse 18, he says, instead be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, seeing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And for the longest time, I didn't quite understand this, right? Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs. Like if I were to walk up to you and start singing to you, I think I would wreck your faith. So I never understood, like, what, how many people are we supposed to talk to each other with psalms and hymns, right? But you see, what, what Paul is describing is worship. The body of Christ coming together in worship, that we are making music, singing to the Lord, but we're also singing to one another. We are proclaiming God's goodness and greatness and righteousness to each other. And so when we say things like, good morning, it's so good to see you, or thank you for blessing us with your presence, it's not just because we like seeing you, which, which we do, right? but because every single one of you impacts what the rest of us, how the rest of us experiences God. Right? My worship experience is vastly different when I'm in here by myself with my AirPods on trying to worship Versus when I'm together with all of you. Because when we're together, when the church comes together, when we gather together, we're not only worshiping God directly, but we are declaring to one another. We are proclaiming God's great deeds to each other. So just to recap as we wrap up our time, a mundane, routine, average, normal, everyday life is a gift. It's a gift. And we are invited to respond with, with praise and worship, to be filled with faith and passion, to be mindful and fully aware of just, just how great our God is. And two things that will help us, meditate on it. Just think about constantly, continuously, consistently about our God and to proclaim his good deeds, his good works to one another. God is, is always worthy and deserving of our praise and worship. He's always doing great things, always has, always will. 
He is always working for our good, demonstrating his love, his compassion, his grace. The challenge for us is to, to see it, to recognize it, and to respond. So let me pray for us, and we will close our time with worship and praise.